bottom of the page, from the Tesla base. When the Gemara was talking about Kimaseu Bechal, the same way it was done during the week, so too was it done on Shabbos. What we're referring to now is the halacha that when they would do the Nisachamayim, they would do the pouring out on the libation, they would get the water from the Gichon Spring, right? The Gichon Spring, which was down below Yerushalayim. And the operation in terms of inside the Mesa Mikdash was actually the same thing on weekdays as it was on Shabbos. However, they did not want to take the water from the Gichon Spring up to the Mesa Mikdash on Shabbos. So what they would do is they would actually gather the water before Shabbos and place it in a, in a barrel and leave it in that barrel until Shabbos morning in which they would actually um, then pour it out on the Mizbeach. So the Lord now asks, Why is it why is it that we have to have a specific situation in our Mishnah where the Mishnah tells us they would take a very uh, barrel, a barrel, a golden barrel, and clearly the implication of using the golden barrel was that this is not what we call a klishares. It is not a vessel that is considered to be holy. A klishares, a vessel that is a service vessel in the base of Mikdash, is considered to be holy. And then it renders anything within it holy as well. But they specifically did not want to do that. They put it into this golden barrel instead. Now, why couldn't they just put it into a klishares, into a, a holy vessel that would render it holy? Amar Ziri. Ziri says, Kasabar aim shir lamayim. There is no, there is no, um, there's no specific measurement for the water that goes into a vessel. If there's a very specific amount of water that would go into the vessel, then what they could do is they could put in more or less than the specific, even more than the specific measurement, and that itself would become not holy. Or they also have to hold that is the that a holy vessel, the service vessels render it holy, even if there's no intent to render it holy. Now, what's the whole question right now? The whole question is like this. There's a concept called, to, to get into this entire idea, right? When an object has already been rendered holy in the Beis HaMikdash, and if it is lasts overnight without being used in the service, past the time period, it's expired. And we call this lina, to be left over overnight. When it's left over overnight, it can no longer be used. But that's only true once it's already acquired the status of holiness, of kedusha by being put into a klishares, into a service vessel. So over here, they said, we can't put it into a service vessel. And the Gemara now is asking, why not? Why do we put it into a service vessel? What was really the problem? Why can't you put it into the service vessel? And it won't become holy. It must be that you hold two different points. You must hold, number one, that there's no specific measure for the amount of, of water to become holy. And also, you must hold that the, the service vessels will render it holy, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Turning the page now to Nunamit Aleph, 50a. And if indeed you would have put it into a holy vessel, it would have become holy. And once it becomes holy, it becomes puzzle. It becomes invalid through the process of lina, of being left over overnight after it already had become holy. Chizki actually argues and says that the, the service vessels actually only render holy if it is done intentionally. The Xera, so if so, so then what was the big concern? Why did you indeed need to put it into a, put the water into a vessel that was not a service vessel? Put it into a vessel that is a service vessel and just have a specific intention for it not to become holy. And then you would not have a problem of lina of being left overnight. Indeed, technically it would not have become holy. However, if people see you doing this, they're going to think that even putting it in, in with the intention of the, you might have, that people are, would think that you put it in with the intention for it to become holy, and that would be problematic. That's not actually what happened, but since people might think that, therefore we don't want you to do this. Even if you say that there's a very specific measure for 
for the amount of water that you should pour on the mizbeach. And if it's more than that, it will not become holy. And even if you say that the uh, a vest, service vessel does not render that with that which is within it holy, elamidas only if it's intentionally. The only reason why we didn't want you to do this is if you put into a klisharis into a service vessel, and people might have said, "Oh, you know what? It must be that he put it into he put this water into this service vessel for the sake of being makadish yadayim v'raglaim, sake of being makadish his hands and his feet." And that would be, and it's not actually true. So therefore, we didn't want you to think that. So therefore, we said, put it into a vessel that no one would possibly mistake for a service vessel. If the, if the water is spilled out or if it became uncovered. Right, so the halacha is, if that happens, then you're up the creek. When why are you up the creek if the water became uncovered? What's the halacha? The halacha is like this. We have a principle that it, the Chazal's times, they knew of a Matthias, they knew of a reality that does not seem to jive with the reality that we have today without getting into the conversation of, well, how do we sort of reconcile those two realities? Not important for today's da'af. What is important is the reality that Chazal we're dealing with. The reality that Chazal we're dealing with is that snakes would walk up, not actually walk, the snakes don't have feet. The snakes would, uh, what, do, what do we call it? Slither, slither up. Snakes would slither up to, the, to a cup of water when they need a drink, and they would, open up their mouth and their fangs would go into the cup of water and they would give out some of their eris. The eris is the venom within the snakes. Now, the problem with the reality is that uh, it seems to be, at least we think today, and I'll, I, have, I have a friend who's actually um, uh, studies um, venom, venomous creatures, so I'm going to ask him. But the, the problem is that snakes only release their venom when they bite into you. So a snake could drink water out of the cup and you could drink water out of that same cup afterwards today and there will be no risk to your life at all. Additionally, the, the venom only actually causes damage if it is injected into your bloodstream, right? So the anti-venom oftentimes might be derived from the venom itself that, and then you actually can ingest it as long as it's going to your bloodstream. So back to the matter is, because I'll talk about this Matthias, that if you leave a cup of water uncovered overnight, you have to be concerned that perhaps a snake drank from it. And if the snake drank from it, it now became dangerous. So Allah is you're not allowed to pour that cup of water that was left overnight. You're not allowed to use it in the service in the Mizbeah. You're also not allowed to drink wine for Kiddush that was left open overnight, okay? Now, why don't you have a filter? So take a filter and use that filter and then whatever the, the RS, the, the, um, the venom, it will end up getting filtered out. The first opinion in the Bible says that if you, even though you're using a misanenis, you're using a filter, it still will have the problem of being water that was uncovered overnight. The filter is not going to solve the problem. says, he responds, when is this so? That's only true when the bottom one is the uncovered one. But in time that the bottom one is the one that has been covered, even though the top one has been uncovered, there is no concern of being um, uncovered top. Because the, the venom of a snake is similar to a spike, is similar to a sponge. It sort of um, rests in its place and it just sticks where it is. And therefore, if you use the filter, guess what? You would be able to see, is there arras here or not? And if there's arras, then you wouldn't use it. But if there isn't, then you would be able to use this water for your libations. You can even explain that this is according to the opinion of Rebbe Nechemia. Well, if it's according to Rebbe Nechemia, why can't you use the filter? Even though Rebbe Nechemia says that that's permitted in terms of the being 
take, to eliminating a possible risk of drinking eris, you're using a misanenes, a filter, a sieve, that makes sense when it comes to eliminating risk. But it is not true that when you're trying to talk about doing something in a service, if this water had eris within it, you can't use it. In other words, based on this pasik, this is not the respectful way to actually serve Hashem through putting water that was uncovered and then you use the filter to release any, um, any eris that was within it. So we finished the fourth chapter in Sukkah. And with that, we'd like to welcome back Larry. Larry, um, unfortunately, due to a, uh, a snafu in the scheduling that the JSN sent out, I'm going to blame the bookkeeper for that. Um, Larry was actually not here this whole week. Wayne doesn't know because Wayne wasn't here either. But today, Wayne is back. Um, There's a joke. A joke I want to read in Reader's Digest. We have, um, in our service department, we have this guy named Louie. Louie is a really nasty, um, he's a really nasty worker. Nasty piece of work. And whenever someone um, asks him to do something that he's not really interested in doing, he sends them a really nasty email. And then immediately when they respond to us all angry, then we tell them, oh, never mind. We're, we're going to fire Louis for that. That was a really terrible thing to do. But Louis is not actually a real person, right? Louis is just our excuse. So when I say that there was a scheduling conflict at the JSN, I don't know who to blame for that. Maybe, that, maybe that's me. Um, either way, fact of the matter is, I'm glad to have you back. Okay. Thank you. Nice to be back. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, new parrot. Echalol chamisha deshisa. The chalol, the flute. The flute is sometimes played for six days, sometimes it is played for five days. We'll see what this chalal is. What is this chalal? This chalal is to make more joyous occasions at during the Simchas Pesach Shoeva, during the joy of the house of Shoeva, of being um, drawn. And we'll see what this is referring to. This is the chalal, the flute that is, is played during the Pesach Shoeva. This flute, it is not push, does not push up Shabbos, it does not push up Yom So. In a year in which the first day of Sukkot is also Shabbos, you're going to blow the flute six days. In a year in which the first day of Sukkot is not Shabbos, well, then you're not going to blow the flute on the first day of Sukkot because it's Yom Tif. And then one of the other days of Sukkot is also going to be Shabbos, and then you won't blow it that day. Either you only end up blowing it five days. Sukkot Gemara, Nun Amit Beis, 50b. Itmar, Rav Yehuda, or Rav Eina, Chad Pani, Shoyeva, Vechad Pani, Chashuba. One of them in the, in the Mishnah has the Girsa, has the, the terminology of Shoeva, that which is drawn out. One of them has the gersa of chashuba, right? So it seems like it was a little almost um, almost dyslexic, maybe. Or one of them says it's chashuba and not shoeva distinguished. Neither of them made a mistake. Both of them are correct, right? What does this mean? The one who says that it is Shoeva, he has not made a mistake. As it is written in the Torah. Sounds familiar, right? So, certainly is an appropriate term to use for the Simcha space of Shoeva. Certainly is a very joyous time. The Shoeva is associated with Sasson, with joy, happiness. The one who says that you should read it as Chashuva, that it is distinguished, also he's not making a mistake. It is a very distinguished, a very um, uh, distinctive and powerful mitzvah. And it comes from the six days of creation. Blowing the flute pushes off the Shabbos. He says that the um, flute pushes off Shabbos. And the um, say even 
even Yamtif is not Pasha, right? So it's Mikatsa El Hakatsa. It's from one extreme to the other. The machlekas is only machlekas when it comes to the, the halal that would accompany the singing at the time of the bringing of the karban. Rabbi held that the main mitzvah of shira is done with the vessel, with the utensil. And it is an avayda, and it is part of our service. And it pushes off the shabbos. And the main object, the main objective of, of Shira, of singing songs, is actually with your mouth. That's the main way to fulfill the mitzvah. And this is not an avayda, because it's because the main part of, 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 um, of Shira is actually singing. And this is not the singing. This is actually the flute. It's an instrument. So therefore, it's not considered to be an avayda. It's not considered to be an, a um, part of the instrument. And therefore, it is not push off Shabbos. What pushes off Shabbos? Things that are part of the service. Things which are not part of the service do not push off Shabbos. So when you talk about something that is a, a cliche, right? The question really is, we know that you have to sing, we know that you have to have the flute. The question is, which one is the ikr, the main part of it, the primary part of the mitzvah, and which one is the accompaniment? Is it that the vessel is the main part and the singing is the accompaniment, or is it vice versa? If the vessel is only the accompaniment, it will not push off shots. I will share so shoeva, but the singing at the time of the shoeva of the of the drawing of the water, Everyone agrees though that the, the singing of the songs and the music that is being played at the time of the drawing of the water, that everyone agrees is simcha, it is joyous, and it's not a mitzvah, it's just part of a, enhancing the joy of the of the moment. And that certainly does not push up Shabbos. says, Mina, Mina, how do I know? that this is the You have the instruments of um of service that are made out of wood. as to whether or not a shares, a vessel for the service that was made out of wood, as to whether or not it's kosher. My love, is it not? This is what they're arguing about. the one who says it is kosher, says that the main the main part of shira of songs is actually with the utensil. The alfinan me abuva de Moshe, and where did he learn out this is so from the the flute of Moshe Rabbeinu? Uman the pasul, the one who says that it is not kosher to use klishares to use the service vessels made out of wood. Saver ikar shira bepeh. He says the main purpose of the mitzvah of singing is actually accomplished through your mouth. But lo yalfinan me abuva de Moshe, and you cannot learn out from the flute of Moshe. Gemara says, "Loy, it's not not a proof. The, the flute of Moshe, by the way, is made out of a reed. A reed is similar to wood." Everyone agrees that the main shira, the main song, is going to be accomplished through the vessel. Machlekes here is a very fundamental machlekes that we find throughout Chas. Are you able to derive something from, in a case where it is not possible from a case where it is possible? So, in other words. You have a question like this. In the, in the Midbar, they did not have the ability to make um, the, the vessels that they used, that Moshe Rabbeinu was using for a song, it was made out of a reed. Okay, that was the only option. But now in, 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 in Israel, you have the option of using other things too. Can you derive that the, the flute that you use in the Besamekdash should be the same thing as Moshe Rabbeinu when you have other options or not? The one who says that it is kosher says that you learn that which is possible and that which is not possible. The one who says it's not kosher says you do not learn out that which is possible from that which is not possible. Another version is everyone agrees 
The main song should be done with your mouth. And you cannot derive that which is possible from that which is not possible. Machlegas is like this. There's two different methods of, of, in, of interpretation of drash from the Pesachim. One is called Klal Prat, one is called Riboyumiyot. What this means is like this. It's, it's interesting, Machlegas, okay? If you hold Klal Prat, that means that if you have a, a, a larger principle, in other words, a broad category, followed by a more, a more particular category, followed by a broad category again, then we say everything that is even remotely similar to the more particular category falls into the broad category as well. Okay. If you say you learn what is called a riboy and a riboy, that means that if you have something that is misrabba, if you have something that is included, it seems to be in, in, a, in an additional category, then you have something which comes to be more specific, and then you have something which comes to be add again. So then you end up with a very similar scenario. But the question is which one is the primary method of, of exegesis, right? So Rebbe Darish Prati. Rebbe says you can darsh and you can learn out from the fact that you have a quality of the broad principle followed by the specific principle. Rebbe Yehuda Darish is what we call a broad a something which is coming to include other cases followed by something which is coming to exclude other cases. Rebbe Darish Prati. Rebbe Darish's idea of the broad principle followed by the particular. It says in the Torah, it says in the Torah that you shall make a menorah out of zahav. Klau, that's the principle. Zav, tar, when it says then gold, gold and pure, or prat, um, prat, that's going to be a particular, that the menorah has to be made out of pure gold. Miksha tasa menorah, when it says that miksha should be beaten, made out of beaten work, that you should make the menorah. Chazarek kalal, then it's going back and, and going broad again. Klau, prat, uklau, it's a, a broad principle, a specific principle followed by a broad principle. Then the entire broad principle has to be somewhat similar to the specific principle. It's just like the specific case is clearly talking about metal. So to everything has to be made out of metal. is what we call a riboy, a, a, an implication of adding something to the law, an implication of being a smayat, of causing something to become um, excluded. It says, and you shall make the menorah, riba. That's coming, that's an additional phrase. Zav tar, gold, pure gold, miyat. That's a exclusion. Miksha tasa ha It should be beaten, the menorah should be made beaten. Chazava riba. It's coming to include other things as well. Riba umiyat for riba. You have a something coming to add additional things, something coming to exclude, and then followed by something coming to add again. Hakol, then a riba hakol. Then it comes to add everything which is at all possible. My Rabbi, what's it coming to include? Rabbi Kalmudi, it's coming to include all matters. My Miyat, what's it coming to exclude? Miyat shall cheres. It's coming to exclude the menorah made out of cheres, out of pottery. Amar Papa, turning the page now to Nanalaf Amar Aleph, 51a. Amar Papa, Papa says, Kitanai, like my chlikus hanayim. Kitanya, we learned in the Baisa. Avdei Kehanim, Hayu, they were Avdei Kehanim. Who was the ones who were, it's a Mishnah in Erechen. And so the people are holding on to the instruments at the time that they were singing songs at the bringing of the daily carbon. Who was playing the instrument? So one opinion is, Rabbi Meir's opinion is, that it was the servants of the Kohanim. Rabbi It was the people from the family of Pigarim and the family of Siparia. 
And these are people who are able to marry to Kahuna. So one opinion is it can even be servants. One opinion is only people who are able to marry into, into the family of Kahuna. says that they were actually Levium. My lab, how can What's the Machlekes over here? Amanda, Amar Avadam, the one who says that they were actually servants of the Kohanim, Kesava Eker Shira Lepeh. It says the main mitzvah of singing songs is done with your mouth. Umada Amar Levium, Hayu, Kesava Eker Shira Bekli. And the one who says that they have to be Levium, that the main the main mitzvah of doing Shira has to be done with the vessel. It's like this. What do the Levium do? We know what they're doing in the base of We know what they're doing in the desert, right? They're carrying the, the Mishkan and they're carrying the, the, um, the utensils. What do they do once we're permanently ensconced in the base of Megdash? What do the Levium do? So the Levium actually sings songs along at the time that the Kohanim are doing the service. The Levium are singing songs and helping the Kohanim any way that they can. It means that the main avoid of a Levi is to sing, right? The question is like this. Is it the avoda of the levy to sing and the instrument is, is very incidental and then even a non-levy can do it? Or do you say the main purpose of the song, the main mitzvah of singing is actually through the utensil? And then, of course, it's going to have to be a levy playing the utensil. Those are the two opinions, but there's really a middle ground. It is for Rabiesi, make a sever. What are you going to say about Rabiesi? What does Rabiesi hold? If Rabiesi holds that the main mitzvah of shira, of singing, has to be done with your mouth, then even servants too would be in the same category that of course the servants can't do it. But if they hold the main services with the vessel, with the utensil, then then only Levium should be able to play the vessel and nobody else. Rather, everybody agrees that the main mitzvah of Shira is with your mouth and that Levium are going to do. This is about the utensils. This is what the incident, this is how it happened. Another one said, this was the instant, this is how it happened, okay? But not because this is actually permitted. What's the difference? To, to know, are you able to take someone who is on the duchen and then to consider him to be from an unblemished background, unblemished pedigree, and allow them to marry anybody who they wish and their children to marry anybody who they wish. And and for, um, for taking meiser, they argue. The one who says that the people who are playing the, the instruments on the on the stairs while the service is being done, they were Avadim, they were servants. And he holds that you cannot lift up from the platform from the time of, um, of Aveda to the Yuxin to consider them to be on a pedigree, pedigree level. And therefore, and to give them Meister. So therefore, there's no reason to assume that if someone's on the on the elevated platform and, and singing songs, that they're considered to be a full-on levy. So there's no reason to assume that, and indeed you can allow people who are not actually full levium to do it. The one who says that it's actually Yisraelim, he holds that you actually do, will elevate people just from the duchen, from the platform alone. Based on that, you'll elevate them to a more pedigree position and allow them to marry whom they wish. And therefore, if you're going to be willing to do that, then certainly you can only do that if you hold that these are people who are able to marry anybody they wish and not not um, you know um, servants, abalolo meiser, but not for the sake of being elevated for meiser of levi, so that to be eat, be able to eat the meiser that's given to the levi. Umada levim, I was one who says that actually levim kasara meilin the duchen being the yuchs being the meiser says that the only way we will permit people standing on the elevated platform, we, we just based on that information alone, we will allow them to get married whomever they wish, and we will allow them to get the special special portion that the levi gets. So if we're allowing them to do the service, it must be that they're levim, and that's their only option. Rabbi Yirmiyah Bar Abba Amar Machlekes B'shir Shel Shoeva. Machlekes is only about the 
the song of the Shi'eva at the time of the pouring of the, of the drawing of the water. Said that the additional joy that one has is also going to push out Shabbos. That the additional joy that you have at that time does not push off the Shabbos. When it comes to the song at the time of the service of a carbon, of an actual Aveda, um, right, then then everyone agrees that the singing is actually part of the Aveda. I'm sorry, the instrument is part of the Aveda, but Deichas Shabbos and Pushes of Shabbos. Basically, we're asking the question. Shir shall shave a Deichas Shabbos. The singing of the of the of the Aveda of the shave. I'm sorry, of the uh, pouring out of the water. I'm sorry, of the drawing up of the water. Deichas Shabbos Pushes of Shabbos. That's the opinion of Rabbi even Yom Tov does not get pushed off for the um, for the drawing of the water. Indeed, this disproves the opinion of Yosef that indeed um, that the Shir Shal Sheva will will be Deicha Shabbos. Okay. Now, like Yosef who says that does not. They remember Shir Shal Sheva with the Pligi. Maybe you can actually disprove this and say no, it's not such a great proof because maybe. The Machlekes is only about the Shir Shal She'eva, the song that is played at the time of the drawing up of the water. Al the Shir Shal Karban, when it comes to the songs that are played at the time that the carbon, the sacrifice, is being brought, everyone agrees to push of Shabbos. Maybe it actually disproves of Yasef in two matters. I argued about the song that should be played at the time of the drawing up of the water. And the halacha is also true for the karbon, for the taking of a sacrifice. That, that song also. I think mythically Bashir Shal Sheva, and that which we argued about the song of, of uh, the time of the drawing up of the water. To, to give us a full illustration of how powerful the opinion of Rabbi Yudah is, that we listen under all circumstances. Because even the song that is sung at the time of the Sheyeva, at the time of the of the um, drawing up of the water, that also pushes it off. One second. How can you say that that song pushes off even by the Sheyeva playing the instrument pushes off Shabbos and Yom? It pushes off Shabbos. But our Mishnah says explicitly it does not push it off. The, or the implication is that it only doesn't push it off when it is for the Sheyeva, then you're not allowed to play the instrument of the Shabbos But if it would be the Khalil, the flute that's played on a daily basis when you're bringing a carbon, indeed it does push off Shabbos and Yamtif. Mani, whose opinion is this? If you say to Yehuda, said that even the song, the instrument playing at the time of the drawing of the water also pushes off Shabbos. You have to say it's the opinion of the Chacham. It disproves of Yosef in two matters. We see that it does not push off. Um, it does it? It does not push off a sheva, and it does push off by by carbon. By time in the man What is the reasoning behind the one who says that the main singing is actually done with the utensil? The sigas is written. said to bring the oil offering onto the zveach. Ubas hachalil, hachel ha'ila. Um, I was wondering why it's spelled with a yud. Um, let me see this pasig one second. Sorry, guys. This is a pasig in Dibayama. Um, 
Okay, so Dere Yamam very often has variant um, spellings. I guess that's why I spelled with a Yud. Um, I know people don't like hearing the word variant these days, but this is not a dangerous variant. My time at the Manda Amar What is the reason behind the one who says that the main the main service of singing is actually done with your mouth? As it is written, to hear one voice. And the other also. It is written by Yemech Hizkiyo Hafti. Hizkiyo said this. To, uh, to, to enhance and to adorn the kala, right? Kala, the, the voice. These singers are similar to the ones who are playing the instruments. Just like the people who are blowing on the chatzai, so it's have to be doing with pencil. So to those who are singing and the beautiful lifting their voices and song has to be done with a vessel. Okay. New Mishnah. If someone has not seen the joy of a house of, of the drawing, at the time of the drawing, it was a tremendous, tremendous simcha. Someone did not witness it. Lora simcha miyamav has not witnessed joy in his days, right? You know, you want to know what true, true joy is like, right? True joy is not having $50 million traveling on a Learcraft, right? That is not true joy. True joy is witnessing the on the first night of on the, the night after the first day of Yom right? From an Eretz Yisrael. Yordu Ezra's Nashim, they would go down to the Ezra's Nashim. Omasak min sham tikin gadol, they would put a, they would make a tremendous enhancement. What was it? Menorah shalzav hayisham, there were these menorahs shalzav, these um, candelabras of gold. Be'arba safalim shalzav hirosheim, and there were four um, safalim, you know, um, uh, receptacles of gold on their heads, on the, you know, at the ends. Be'arba sulam is the kolach of echad, and there were four steps for each and every one. And there were four Yuladim, four children from the Pirche Kahuna, from the youngers of the of the Kohanim, right? Tarach literally means flower, right? So the youth is the flower, right? So that, that's why we use this terminology. And in their hands were a Kadim, there were these uh, containers. There were Esm and Maya Lug, there were 120 Lug. That they put in each one of these receptacles. They would take these. Um, the remnants of the pants of the Kohan they use them as wicks. That is what they would actually end up using to light these oil. And there is no place in Yerushalayim that was not lit up from the light of the of the of the simple space of Shueva. Now, to be clear, this is not just a is obviously a symbolic thing, but it also the, the water represents Torah and the oil represents Torah. And the simple space of Sheva is not just the joy of the harvest festival; it is the joy uh, and related to the fact that we have gotten the Torah from Hashem. And in the Yom Tov, in the holiday that partially celebrates the uniqueness of the Jewish people, right, and how that we we are, there are Jew, everybody also deserves respect, and everybody's B'tzalam Elikim, and all the nations are also represented by the 70 offerings that are brought on circus, but the Jewish people stand alone. So that's a, a very appropriate time to reflect on the fact that it is the light of the Torah, it is the water, that is compared to the, the Torah the water, that enables us to reach where we are today. So the, everybody was lit up, all the chatseris, all of the, all the courtyards of Yerushalayim were lit up just from this light alone. Okay, the Hasidim, the, the uh, pious ones, and the Anche Maisa, men of great renown, great deeds, they would dance in front of it. And these were elderly men, they would dance like a madman, like men 40 years of their age. 
they would have torches of fire in their hands. They would say in front of the in front of the mizbeach, songs of praise and and um, and tishbachis and and, um, and praise. Bekineris and Levim were in Kineris, Ubin Nepal, and Levim were used with and different types of instruments of Athetris. Ubekishir Balimisper and different um, songs, different utensils of uh, uh, music instruments, Balimisper without any number. Alchamesh Esri, Mailis, Ayordis, Miezes, Israel, Esnashim. On the 15th step platform that goes up from the Ezra Israel to the Ezra Esnashim, from the area where the only Israelim were able to be to the area where even Nashim women were able to be. As, um, as a representative or paralleling the 15 Shir Hamalis, right? We have in Tehillim, we have 15 Shir Hamalis, which means the Song of Ascent, right? So those 15 Song of Ascents that were written by King David are written to represent the 15 steps of the Beis HaMikdash. Okay. So the Levian would stand on these steps with these Shir, and they would stand with their instruments of music. But Imram and they would say Shira, they would say song, right? Remember, it's interesting that they say but Imram Shira. It doesn't say that they Visharu Shira. They would say Shira, not just that they would sing Shira. Because the Shira is not necessarily the picture as just being the, the song, the, the, the tune, but it's also the lyrics. So just saying lyrics, it's a poem. It's declaiming a poem, right? We call the Torah, it's called the Shira. And the entire Torah is called the Shira. Why is the Torah called the Shira? Right? It doesn't actually, it's not it's not sung. I mean, maybe you could call uh, some people's laying a song. But uh, most people's landing, I wouldn't exactly call it a song. So the answer is that it's not about the, it's about the words, it's not about the tune. Okay, so like this. They would say the Shira, and there were two Kohanim who were standing on the uppermost gate. That goes down from the Ezra Israel to the courtyard of the Israelites to the courtyard of the women. And there were two Chatzetzers in their hands. The taku v'heriu v'taku, they would blow tkiya, tkiya, trua, tkiya. Hegiu l'mayla asiris, they would get up to the 10th step, taku v'heriu v'taku, they would blow it tkiya, they would blow it trua, they would blow it tkiya. Hegiu l'ezra, when they would get up to the actual azara, to the actual courtyard, taku v'heriu v'taku, they would blow it tkiya, a trua, and a tkiya. Hayutaykin v'halken atshem hegiyan l'shar ha'yetzim imizrach. They would blow and continue until they have gotten into the Shar Hayatsam Mizrah until they get to the gate which goes out on the east side. They get to the gate that goes out on the east side. They would turn their heads from the east to the west. They would say, Our forefathers that were in this place, their backs are towards the Hechal, and their fronts are facing east. And they were bowing to the east towards the heaven. I'm sorry, towards the sun. And you, us, to you, our eyes are Hashem. Says, we are for God and our eyes are on God. And as opposed to our forefathers who were idol worshippers. You know, right? This week's parasha, parasha's kisavo. And it starts off by talking about the Bikurim. And in the Bikurim, the, the first fruits, when we bring our basket up to Jerusalem, and we bring it and we confess, right? we confess that we did everything properly in terms of the Shumas and Maestras. What do we say? We say, Abiseinu, right? right? Initially, the, we, we came before we came to Israel, at a time in our past, we actually were idol worshippers. And that's what we say in the Messianic question. Someone did not see the joy of the Beis Hashem, did not see joy of what true joy looks like. 
Someone did not see Yerushalayim at its height of its glory. Did not see a beautiful city, right? San Francisco, the city at the bay, nothing on Jerusalem. Nobody is you have not seen Mesmikdash in its glory and its beautiful building. I don't care what buildings, what Guggenheimer is and Frank Wood writes you've seen, you haven't seen anything if you haven't seen Mesmikdash. Mahi, what was it? I'm going to buy a Hordus. This is the, the structure that Hordus had built, that Herod built. But my what did he build it with? He built it with these beautiful patterns of like white, blue, and green, or white and green. And what happened is the um, it had the affix shafa, the aisle shafa. It was like one going in, one going out. That it had this appearance of like literally looking like um, a gorgeous um, a sea, like a, a representation of the sea. So now I heard this was like uh, certain um, ethnic groups today that thought, you know what? Nothing cannot look more beautiful with gold. But teeth are supposed to be white. Well, if you make them gold, they're even more beautiful, right? So he said, you know what? Maybe I'll just cover the entire base of Mikdash on the outside with gold. So this is even nicer because this will look like waves on the ocean, right? And once again, clearly there is an, an a, uh, understanding, a symbolic representation of the ocean here that is supposed to help us get to a higher level of service to Hashem. says, The person who did not see the, 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 this building in, um, in in um, Alexandria and Egypt, did not see the the um, the Israel, the the glory of the Jewish people in Egypt. The glory of the Jewish community in Egypt was beyond parallel, right? Something akin to what the glory of the Jewish people looks like right now in New York City. And Lashon Yavanis Rashi explains what is this? It was a place there. These um these Lashon Yisrael Kamei Metropolitan Kamei Diufolin Raimi Netainis Tain Lashon Stiv. It was a stiff kafel. It was basically this place where they were set up in this beautiful area with these colonnades, and it was this wonderfully um, extravagant and, and beautiful building. It was like a huge basilica. It was these uh, colonnades in front of colonnades. There were times in which there were 600,000 plus 600,000 people in this tremendous basilica. Double the amount that came out of Egypt. And there were 71 thrones made out of gold. Paralleling the 71 members of the Supreme Court. Each one of these thrones was made out of not less than 24 kikar of gold. And there was a, a, um, a bima, a platform of, um, of eights, of wood in its middle. And the person who was the chazan, would stand and um, by this bima, and he would arrange things. He had these handkerchiefs in his hands. And when it was time to say amen, guess how large these things were? These things were so large that you wouldn't know that the person who's dominating for the Ahmed actually just said something that you should be responding to amen. The people in the back wouldn't know. So what would he do? He would stand there with his handkerchiefs and he would say, you know, picture like uh, someone at NASCAR or something, like, waving go, waving, waving back, you know, stop. So basically, it was a way to make sure that everyone even in the back would understand that it was time to answer amen.
Okay, so, right. So what are we doing? What are we saying? We're saying is that each um, each group of um, craftsmen will stay in their own region, right? It was a uh, it was unity, but it was unity and, and at the same time as being some level of separateness as well, right? Because it, it's actually important to recognize this. You know, this is something which, um, politically speaking, today oftentimes they became um, um, you know de rigueur today amongst the uh, zillennials, right? I think that. Communism is really equal because everyone will be exactly equal. The truth is the Torah says, no, that, that separate but equal is actually the perfect thing. And that's what they did over here too. That's what they used to do in, in, in um, Poland also. There are different souls for the different um, categories of people. When poor person would come in, they would recognize the, he would, he would recognize the people who were part of his, um, his um, uh, vocation um, and he would go there. And he would be able to receive a uh, sustenance for himself and for the members of his household. All these people were destroyed by Alexander right? Alexander the Great killed this entire Jewish community. Why were the Jewish people at that time destroyed? Right? It was not because they were just building these gorgeous houses and living a very extravagant lifestyle. And it was rather because of something else which might hit close to home. He showed the Avri Ahaikra. They violated a certain pasik. It says in the Theta, they are not supposed to go back down to the same place in which you have come up from. And they went back down to Egypt and therefore they got in trouble. Right? So what do we see? We see that the problem was that they did not come back up from Egypt and they should not, they should have gone back up from Egypt. The Rambam um, says that Rambam is down Mahalach, of course, that you're not allowed to go back down to Egypt. But the Rambam himself lived in Egypt. What do we do with that, right? How do we deal with that? So the, the, the simple answer that most people give is that the, the prohibition of going back down to Egypt is only a prohibition if you go back down the same way in which you actually came up. What do you mean to go back down the same way? Is it because we care about MapQuest? You used MapQuest and you went MapQuest. That's pretty old. You used Waze and you went back exactly the same way that you came up. Who cares? The idea being is that if you're traveling back down the same path, it means you haven't progressed at all. It means you have not gotten past the mindset of being in Egypt. If you went back down to Egypt because you had no choice, you have to get out of Spain because the Berbers or whatever it might be were coming, you have to get out of Spain, fine. But if you went back down exactly the same way, you haven't progressed, and then you deserve uh, what exactly what you deserve. On the Matzah Yamtif, what would they do? Um, they make a tick and gadol. They make a great enactment. My tick and gadol was a great enactment. I'm going to have a lesser. Ka'isa Shashaninu. Chalka ha'isa be'rishayna. There was a, uh, a portion in the beginning. Ve'kifua gezustra. And it was uh, surrounded by a gezustra, right? By these balconies. Ve'skinu shiyu nashim yosh ve'is mamayla. Ve'anashim mamata. And the woman would sit on the upper level, the balconies. And the women, men would sit on the bottom. Initially, men they were all on the same level. Women would sit interior and men would sit exterior. And it was leading to, uh, you know, whatever, levity, things that would not be happening. They said that women should sit on the outside, men should sit on the inside. So if a man would be coming out of the woman's section, he knows that another man will come out soon and see him. Still, people are coming to lightness, behavior that's not appropriate. They said that women should sit above and men should sit below. How do we do this? Everything that was done in the Mishmikdash was done based on the handwriting of Hashem, so to speak. In other words, based on the explicit command of Hashem. So how do you have the right to change to mess with it? Rav says, They saw a Pasuk and they darshan the Pasuk. 
So it says that they split it up Levad and Nusheim Levad. So it says that the, the house of David should be in one section and the house of, um, of, of his wife should be in a different section. Amrus, they said about this, this is not, can we not then derive a Kalvachomer? Learn out from a linear case or stringent case. What will happen in the days to come when there's a Hespit, there's a eulogy, and still, and there's no strong Yetzirah at the time of Hespit, a eulogy, people are, are more somber. Amr Terah, still the Pasuk says, Anashim Levad, Anashim Levad, men have to sit separate, women have to sit separate. At the time of the Simcha Space of Sheva, when we're busy doing Simcha, we're busy rejoicing, and the Yetzirah is very close to us then, right? Because we're joyful, we're unbridled joy, it can turn physical quick. Allah has come is and not then even more and more obvious that we have to separate between the men and the women. Okay, no, we're going to stop.